بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله الكريم نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد So today our study is of hadith number 9 hadith number 9 from 40 al-Nawawi from the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi and, and it is the hadith of Abi Hurairah Abd al-Rahman ibn Sakhar رضي الله تعالى عنه قال سمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول ما نهيت ما نهيتكم عنه فاجتنبوه the messenger عليه الصلاه والسلام he said what i have prohibited you concerning then then refrain from it what i have prohibited you from then refrain from it وما امرتكم به فاتوا منه ما استطعتم and whatever i order you with then do it as much as you are able. فَإِنَّمَا أَهْلَكَ مَنْ كَانَ قَبْلَكُمْ كَثْرَةُ سُؤَالِهِمْ وَاخْتِلَافُهُمْ عَلَىٰ أَنْبِيَائِهِمْ For indeed, that which destroyed those who came before you is their excessive questioning and their اختلاف, their differing with their prophets. Indeed, the thing that destroyed those who came before you is their excessive questioning and their differing with their prophets, Rawahul Bukhari wa Muslim. So, Shaykh Abdul Muhsin al Abbad's explanation to this hadith can be divided into eight parts. Part number eight being a summary of the benefits. So, part number one. Part number one is basically telling us the context of this narration. What is the cause? What is the reason behind the Messenger والسلام, having made this statement, having said this statement? And the cause, the reason behind the context of this particular statement of the Messenger والسلام, is found in another narration in Imam al-Muslims, Imam Muslims al-Sahih, in Kitab al-Fadail, the hadith of Abi Hurairah radiallahu ta'ala anhu that the messenger alayhi salatu wasalam khatabana rasulullahi sallallahu alayhi wasalam faqala ayyuhan nas Abu Hurairah he said that the messenger alayhi salatu wasalam delivered a sermon to us and he said O oh people qad faradallahu alaykum al-hajj fahujju indeed Allah has made hajj an obligation upon you he's made hajj obligatory upon you he's made hajj fard upon you therefore make hajj perform hajj فَقَالَ رَجُلٌ أَكُلُّ عَامٍ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ so a man he said every year O messengers of Allah يعني do we have to perform hajj every single year O messenger of Allah فَسَكَتَ so Allah's messenger عليه الصلاة والسلام he went silent, he became silent, he was silent, he didn't say anything in response to this man's, this man's statement. The messenger said, Allah has made hajj, an obligation upon you. So a man said, every year, are we meant to perform hajj every year as an obligation? Is it obligatory upon us to perform hajj every year? So the messenger alayhi salatu wasalam was silent. حَتَّى قَالَهَا ثَلَاثًا 
until the man ended up asking the messenger alayhi salatu wasalam this question three times every year do we have to perform hajj the messenger was silent and the man said again every year yani every year do we have to perform hajj is it an obligation for us to perform hajj every single year he said for the third time then the messenger alayhi salatu wasalam he said law qultu na'am lawajabat the messenger said if I was to have said yes if I was to have said yes then it would have become an obligation if I was to have said yes you have said do I have to do we have to perform Hajj every single year as an obligation is it obligatory upon us to perform Hajj every single year the messenger said if I said yes to that Yes to that person's question, then Hajj would have become an obligation. You would have, in that situation, have to have performed Hajj every single year. And you would have been unable to do so. Then the Messenger said, Leave me with that which I have left for you meaning suffice with that which i have left for you whatever i have told you not to do whatever i have told you to do suffice with that don't ask beyond that leave me with that with that which i have left you for indeed the only thing that destroyed those that came before you is their excessive questioning and their differing with their prophets. And so, if I order you with something, then do it as much as you are able. And if I prohibit you from a matter, then then leave it off so that there this first part uh, of Sheikh Abdul Muhsin Abad's explanation is giving us the context of this statement of the messenger alayhi salatu wasalam why did he say what was the reason behind him saying that which I have ordered you do it as much as you're able that which I have prohibited you from keep away from it what was the reason? What was the context in which the Messenger alayhi salatu made this statement? That was the context. That the Messenger alayhi salatu told the companions to perform Hajj. And then a man, he asked the Messenger alayhi salatu do we have to do it every year? And thus the Messenger alayhi salatu made the statement that he made. That is part number one. Part number two. Part number two is Shaykh Abdul Muhsin Abad explaining the statement of the Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam when he said مَا نَهَيْتُكُمْ عَنْهُ فَاجْتَنِبُوهُ وَمَا أَمَرْتُكُمْ بِهِ فَأْتُوا مِنْهُ مَسْتَطَعْتُمْ This statement of the Messenger uh, of Allah alayhi salam when he said that which I have prohibited you from فَاجْتَنِبُوهُ then refrain from it وَمَا أَمَرْتُكُمْ بِهِ فَأْتُوا مِنْهُ مَسْتَطَعْتُمْ And what I have ordered you with, 
then do it as much as you are able. What do we find in this narration? We find in this narration that carrying out the commands, carrying out the orders, a condition has been placed and that condition is that you have to have the ability to do that particular order. In this statement of the Messenger والسلام, there are two things. He is commanding us and there, or there is a mentioning of him commanding us and there is a mentioning of him uh, 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 prohibiting matters from us. Amr nahi Command and prohibition. The command, it has been restricted and limited to having ability. If you have ability, then you perform that thing that you have been commanded to do. However, a nahi, prohibition, there is no limitation, there is no restriction of ability. You've been commanded to do something, but likewise, there is a condition that you have the ability to do so. If you don't have the ability to do that particular thing, you're not considered sinful for not having done it. However, a nahi, prohibition, we don't find any type of condition being associated with it. The messenger, didn't, the messenger did not say, whatever I have told you not to do, then don't do it as much as you're able. No, he didn't say that. He said, and keep away from it. Don't do it. Refrain from it. Why? Because a nahi, prohibition, when the messenger has prohibited you, prohibited you from doing something, then that is minbab al-turuq. That is, yani minbab al-turuq, from keeping, uh, from uh, um, not doing something. And by default, the human being has the ability not to do something. If I was to say to you, if there was a rock here, if there was a rock here, and I said, don't pick up the rock. Don't pick up the rock. Is anybody in this particular masjid here, anybody that's listening, unable to not pick up the rock? Everybody by the fact that we, the default nature of us is that we are. Huh? Uh, if I said, don't pick up the rock, everybody is able not to pick up the rock. That is under the istita'ah. The ability of every single one of us. If I said, don't exit from that door. Everybody is able not to exit from that door. All you have to do is just not do it. Don't get up. Don't walk. Don't go out the door. Everybody is able to do so. It doesn't require any type of physical ability. But now let's just say that there was a rock there. A big rock there. And I said, pick up that rock. Is everybody able to pick up that rock? Maybe all of us, maybe some of us can't. Maybe the children might not be able to. Maybe the slimmer ones might not be able to. But perhaps some of the big brothers here, Abu Harith, mashaAllah, definitely, inshaAllah, be able to pick it up. The big brothers here, be able to pick it up. But some of the weaker ones, the slimmer ones, might not be able to do so. Okay, so what does that show us? That shows that Amr, command, 
some people are, are able to execute it some some people are able to execute a command and some others are unable to execute that very same command however a nahi prohibition everybody is able to do so why because you just don't do it because you just don't do it so that is the second the second part that Sheikh Abdul Muhsin Abad wanted to highlight that the messenger alayhi salatu wasalam uh, 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 tied to Amr, tied to command ability. He associated with command ability. He made a condition for a command to be executed that you have to be able to execute it in the first place. If you're if you're unable, then you are not sinful uh, for that. طيب, second part. Second part. Tark, uh, sorry, third part. Third part, ترك المنهيات باقنا على عمومه ولا يستثنى منه إلا ما تدعو الضرورة إليه So leaving off, part number three Leaving off the prohibited matters remain as such They remain upon that general ruling of keeping away from the prohibited matters Notice one thing as well The Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam, he did not say وَمَا ما مَا نَهَيْتُكُمْ عَنْهُ فَتْرُكُوهُ The messenger, he did not say مَا نَهَيْتُكُمْ عَنْهُ فَتْرُكُوهُ What I have prohibited you from, then, then make tark of it. Then make tark of it. Tark meaning leave it. He didn't say that. He didn't say مَا نَهَيْتُكُمْ عَنْهُ what I have prohibited you from, then make tark of it, then leave it. He didn't say that. He said, Then make ijtinab of it. What's the difference? Ijtinab, you could translate it as leave it off, refrain from it. What's the difference between tark and ijtinab? Adam. Ahsant barakallahu feek. Tark, tark, to uh, leave something is just to desist from doing it. Ijtinab has a ma'na za'id. It has an extra, additional meaning. What's the extra, additional meaning? That you leave it and that you keep away from it. That you distance yourself from it. Not just leaving it, but likewise distancing yourself from it. So that is the ma'na za'i that is found within this wording that the Messenger chose in this hadith. But likewise, uh, the part that Shaykh Abdul Muhsin Abbad is, uh, is, is, is talking about in part number three is that tark al leaving off prohibited matters, it keeps that general ruling and nothing is an exemption from it. Nothing is an exemption from leaving off the prohibited matters except those matters that are a necessity. In other words, those matters that are haram, those matters that you have been prohibited from doing, they remain prohibited for you unless there is a necessity for you to do so. Unless there is a necessity. 
What's an example of a necessity? An example of a necessity is, for example, drinking alcohol. Drinking alcohol is something that is and will always be a prohibited matter. It will always be a prohibited matter. And there is no exemption from that general rule. Unless there is a necessity for you to drink that alcohol. Such as what? Such as, for example, you're eating some food and you start to choke on that food. You start to choke on that food. The food gets stuck and you start to choke on it. And you look left, you look right, you look in front of you, you look everywhere. There's no other form of liquid available for you to get rid of that piece of food that's got stuck in your throat. There's no water, there's no milk, there's no fizzy drinks, there's nothing available, no form of liquid. The only thing that is available is some khamar, is some intoxicating wine, is some wine. Now, in that situation, it is a darura, it is a darura, it is a, 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 a necessity, it is a necessity. If you don't drink that uh, intoxicant, you're going to die, you're going to choke to death. So that is a situation that you drink just as much as is required for that choking to, to go away. So that was part number three. Part number four. Part number four. النهي الذي يجب اجتنابه ما كان للتحريم وما كان للكراهة يجوز فعله وتركه أولى من فعله. When the Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam tells us not to do something, then that thing could either be Haram, or it could be makruh, it could be disliked. It could either be haram, or it could be makruh. Yani disliked. The, uh, 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 it is obligatory, the, the, the situation when it becomes obligatory for you to keep away, or for you to yani keep away from that nahi, from that thing that has been prohibited is the nahi tahrim the prohibition of tahrim the prohibition of that matter being haram if the messenger alayhi salatu wasalam says don't do something but then when the scholars gather all of the evidences all of the texts that are uh, that revolve around that particular issue they come to the conclusion that that particular nahi is nahi lil karaha it is prohibition concerning karaha yani concerning karaha meaning that that particular thing is makruh it is disliked then leaving off that particular thing is awla leaving off that particular makruh matter is awla it is better however it isn't obligatory again when the messenger alayhi salatu wasalam says don't do something when he prohibits a, prohibits a certain matter that particular prohibited matter could be haram or it could be makruh 
When is it obligatory for you not to do that particular prohibited matter? When it is haram. However, when it is lilkaraha, when it is makruh, then it is better for you not to do it, but it's not obligatory for you not to do it. Wadih? Is that clear? Tamam. Part number five. المأمور به يأتي به المكلف على قدر طاقته The thing that a person has been commanded to do, a person does it within his capacity, within his ability. Meaning, a person, for example, he has been commanded to give zakat al-fitr. He has been commanded to give zakat al-fitr. What is the measure of zakat al-fitr that he has been commanded to give? How much? Huh? Are you, are you, in terms of the narration? Sa'a. Okay, which is a certain measurement. He has been commanded to give a sa'a, which is a certain measurement. If we were to get the physical instrument, it would be about this big. You've been commanded to give a sa'a of zakat al-fitr. If you are unable to do so, if you're unable to give a sa'a, then what do you do? What do you do? Ah. Give as much as you're able. Meaning, if it is the case that you can't fulfill a certain command in its entirety, then you fulfill it as much as you are able, even if it's going to be imperfect. So for example, you have, you have been commanded to give zakat al-fitr with a measure of a sa'a. If you're unable to give a sa'a, you give as much of whatever you are able to give, even though it's less of a sa'a. You have been commanded to perform wudu. You have been commanded to perform wudu in order for you to establish the salah. However, you don't have enough water to make a complete wudu. So what do you do in that situation? You make wudu with whatever you are able and the rest you make tayammam on behalf of and so on and so forth. So the point being is that فَإِذَا كَانَ لَا يَسْتَطِيعُ الْإِتْيَانُ بِالْفِعْلِ عَلَى الْهَيْئَةِ الْكَامِلَةِ أَتَى بِهِ عَلَى مَا دُونَهَا If a person is unable to perform a certain action in its complete form, then he performs it as much as he is able, even though that performance, that هَيْئَةِ, that, uh, that uh, يعني, uh, form of that particular action that he carries out is deficient. He performs it, however, as much as he is, he is able. Part number six. Part number six. This is where Shaykh Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad explains the statement of the Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam. فَإِنَّمَا أَهْلَكَ مَنْ كَانَ قَبْلَكُمْ كَثْرَةُ سُؤَالِهِمْ كَثْرَةُ سُؤَالِهِمْ وَاخْتِلَافُهُمْ عَلَىٰ أَنْبِيَائِهِمْ The statement of the Messenger when he said, for indeed, that which destroyed those who came before you is the excessive questioning and the differing that those people had with their prophets. Shaykh Abdul Muhsin Abad, he says, 
المنهي عنه في الحديث ما كان من المسائل في زمنه يترتب عليه تحريم تحريم عليه تحريم شيء على الناس بسبب مسألته وما يترتب وما يترتب عليه إيجاب شيء فيه مشقة كبيرة وقد لا يستطاع كالحج كل عام. So the thing that the messenger عليه الصلاة والسلام is prohibiting here. The thing, the form of questioning, the form of questioning that the Prophet ﷺ is prohibiting here, the form of questioning that the Prophet ﷺ said destroyed the previous nations that came before us is the questioning within his lifetime within his lifetime, the lifetime of the Messenger والسلام, because this questioning can fall, fall into two eras either in the era when the Messenger والسلام, was alive or in the era that is after the death of the Messenger والسلام. so as far as the era within which the Messenger والسلام, was alive then it is in reference to those questions which as a result of asking about it will make or could make that thing become an obligation for example this man here when he asked the messenger alayhi salatu wasalam as to whether or not hajj is an obligation every single year the messenger alayhi salatu wasalam didn't say that he just said perform hajj now somebody else has come with an extra question Asking whether or not do we have to do it every single year? Now, if the Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam, said yes, then yes, it would have become obligatory. That is as far as the questioning within the life, within the lifetime of the Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam, is concerned. So that's the first. Uh, scenario within which the questioning is prohibited questioning the messenger والسلام, when he's alive the second scenario is the scenario that we would find ourselves in which is asking questions after the death of the messenger okay so what type of what form of what sort of questioning is prohibited for us to engage in after the death of the Messenger that form of questioning is the questioning of unnecessary and excessive detail unnecessary and excessive detail and uh, 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 busying and preoccupying yourself with those things that are less important Preoccupying yourself with those questions that are less important from those questions that are much more important. This is the type of questioning that is considered blameworthy, impermissible after the death of the Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam. And as uh, Sheikh Abdul Muhsin, uh, Sheikh Abdul Razak al-Badr, Sheikh Abdul Muhsin's son, as he mentioned uh, as an additional benefit 
that usually you find excessive questioning excessive questioning from a person when he's been ordered to do something or he has been prohibited not to do something that usually generally speaking maybe not all the time but generally speaking is an indication of the lack of enthusiasm that that person has concerning whatever he's been commanded to do concerning whatever he's been prohibited from keeping away from generally speaking when a person starts to ask nitty-gritty questions excessive questions unnecessary questions concerning something that he has been commanded to do that's usually an indication usually an indication of his lack of enthusiasm in carrying out that particular command you'll find it for example with a child can you get me a glass of water please um, you want it now the, the, your, your son says you want it now or do you want it later you've experienced this <laughs> I want it now you say to your son I want it now you say to your daughter do you want it in a jug dad or do you want it in a glass um, I want it in a glass do you like it warm or would you like it cold you know what son it's okay just sit down relax I'll go get it myself generally speaking those of you who have children you'll be able to uh, bear witness to this generally speaking when the child starts asking nitty-gritty questions about what he has been told to do it's usually an indication of Adam a lack of enthusiasm that he has in doing that particular thing in keeping away from that particular matter son don't go out uh, at this particular time uh, okay is it okay if I go out five I know you said seven o'clock but if I just go out five past seven can I come back in at uh, two minutes past seven um, can I go what about when it's the summertime and the light is and so on and so forth he starts asking excessive questions trying to get a license out of the prohibition so in a similar fashion you usually find a people generally speaking not all the time when there's excessive questioning unnecessary questioning too much nitty-gritty questioning usually it's an indication of a lack of enthusiasm enthusiasm uh, to do so to carry out that particular matter but with the sahaba عليهم, what did you find when the messenger orders them to do so they fulfill it they execute that command without any hesitation or deliberation the messenger says nasiha." the deen is nasiha sincere advice the deen is sincere advice what did the sahaba say liman to whom is it sincere advice yani khalas, we are going to implement this command that you have commanded us to to do the deen is a sincere advice khalas, now what's left left for us to do is to give this advice to offer this advice to to uh, 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 um, يعني, direct this nasiha now all we need to know is whom to whom do we need to direct this nasiha to obviously they can't direct the nasiha unless they know to whom it's meant to be directed to so the sahabas as soon as they found out that the messenger has commanded them or the messenger has informed them of the fact that the deen is a nasiha then from the hirs from the ardent nature and the 
uh, eager nature of the companions is that they wanted to know immediately to whom do we give this advice to so that we could implement it. He didn't say to the Messenger والسلام, when the Messenger said, the religion is nasiha, they didn't say, how is it nasiha? Um, why, why is it nasiha? When does it have to be nasiha? They didn't ask these unnecessary nitty gritty questions. Why? Because they knew that the Messenger had told them about something, something that they have to execute and implement, and all they want to know is to whom do we direct this nasiha to? So this is what we get from this narration that in the time of the Messenger والسلام, the excessive questioning that is prohibited is a questioning uh, where the questioning which may result in something becoming an obligation and that obligation will be difficult for you to carry out. That was the prohibited form of questioning. As far as after the death of the Messenger والسلام, then the excessive questioning is a questioning within which there is unnecessary, excessive, nitty-gritty going into details of matters and preoccupying yourself with questions that are less important than other questions that are much more important. So that is part number six. Part number seven. Part number seven, which is the final part before the summary. Part number seven um, is basically Sheikh Abdul Muhsin Abad. He gives a long and lengthy quotation from Ibn Rajab al Hanbali, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, uh, concerning this matter, concerning the matter of excessive questioning. Um, which, in summary, is the fact that people, as far as questioning is concerned, questioning about matters. They can be divided into groups. So you have those people that go into one extreme. Those people who go into one extreme. Which extreme is this? Those people who go into the extreme of closing the door of questioning in the first place. Questioning itself is not prohibited. Questioning, questioning in and of itself is not something that is prohibited obviously but what is prohibited excessive questioning so the companions we don't find them engaging in excessive questioning but they would ask questions in order to have matters clarified and thus they said to the messenger in the hadith of Irbad ibn Sariya they said uh, or rather in the hadith of uh, Irbad ibn Sariya they said liman ya rasulullah uh, to whom? O Messenger of Allah alayhi salatu wasalam. So, uh, 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 questioning is not something that is prohibited. However, we find that the companions alayhi ta'ala alayhim, they would have questioning and the questioning would be of little amount. Just so that they can understand how to implement this particular matter. There are a group of people who went into one extreme in that they closed the door of questioning. And thus, they would memorize hadith, memorize narrations, but they have no understanding of those narrations. They have no understanding of those hadith. Then you have another group who are at the other extreme. And they are a people 
who started to go into such excessive questioning and detail that they ended up bringing about issues, discussing issues that don't even exist and may most likely not ever even exist. They started to yani, literally give birth to issues, bring about issues, bring into existence issues, masail, masail fiqhiyya that don't even exist and may not even ever come into existence. They ended up entertaining matters that occurred within their minds, but in reality, they had no place. These are two extremes. So then Ibn Rajab al-Hanbali, in his conclusion to this, he says, وَفِي الْجُمْلَةِ فَمَنِ امْتَثَلَ مَا أَمَرَ بِهِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ فِي هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ وَانْتَهَا عَمَّا نَهَا عَنْهُ وَكَانَ مُشْتَغِلًا بِذَلِكَ عَنْ غَيْرِهِ he says, in summary, in summary, the one who carries out whatever the Prophet ﷺ has commanded to, for us to carry out in this hadith, and likewise he keeps away from what the Prophet ﷺ has ordered us to keep away from, and likewise, he, the person, he preoccupies himself with that, and he preoccupies himself with the prohibitions and the commands of the Messenger he busies himself with those matters, busies himself with those matters against and away from those other matters besides them. Then he will attain salvation in the dunya and the akhirah. وَاشْتَغَلَ بِخَوَابِرِهِ وَمَا يَسْتَحْسِنُهُ وَقَعَ فِيمَا حَذَّرَ مِنْهُ وَالنَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ مِنْ حَالِ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ الَّذِينَ هَلَكُوا بِكَثْرَةِ مَسَائِلِهِمْ وَاخْتِلَافُهُمْ عَلَى أَنْبِيَائِهِمْ وَعَدَمْ إِنْقِيَادِهِمْ وَطَاعَتِهِمْ لِرُسُلِهِمْ So the one that doesn't do that, he doesn't suffice with what the Prophet has commanded. He doesn't suffice in keeping away from what the Prophet ﷺ has told him to keep away from. He doesn't suffice with preoccupying and busying himself with that. But rather, he begins to entertain his thoughts and his whims and his fancies, this type of person. Then he will end up falling into what the Prophet ﷺ warned us and cautioned us against concerning the hal, the condition of the Jews and the Christians that came before us, those people who ended up being destroyed as a result of their excessive questioning and their differing with their prophets and their lack of complying with the orders of their prophets and their lack of obedience to their prophets. So point being, Prophet he has left behind knowledge. Suffice with that and that will be enough for you. Those things that are excessive questioning, those things that are those undue, unnecessary, nitty-gritty questioning of the masail, al-fiqhiyya, leave those things, leave those matters, those matters that don't occur or most likely won't occur. Leave yourself from preoccupying yourself with those matters because that which is present within the Sharia of Islam, that is sufficient for you. 
those who did not abide by this then they fell into great destruction such as those people who ended up entertaining those matters that the Prophet والسلام, never spoke about and the companions عليهم, never uttered those matters concerning Allah who he is his names, his attributes, his characteristics, his actions. The Prophet ﷺ told us some attributes of Allah Jalla The Prophet ﷺ, he told us about some of the names of Allah Jalla So we can come to know him. And by way of those names and characteristics that we know about Allah, we can come to love him. We can come to fear him. We can come to have hope in him. We can develop these acts of worship within our heart towards him then later a people came about who had been influenced by western philosophy the muslims they were from the east the muslims they were from the yani the east the arabs the, the the arab but now western philosophy and likewise persian philosophy when that became translated into the Arabic language, then people started to interpret, interpret the Quran and the Sunnah in light of the Greek philosophy, in light of Persian philosophy, even though what Allah Jalla has told us about him is enough for us to come to know him. Even though what Prophet has told us about Allah is enough for us to come to know about Allah but then there were a people that didn't become satisfied with that they weren't content with what Allah and his Prophet had provided us with because they had been influenced by foreign teachings foreign ideologies foreign philosophies un-Islamic philosophies and thus as a result of that they started to describe Allah with statements, with words, with descriptions that were not to be found in the Quran and the Sunnah. And then slowly but surely as a result of that they went astray and they led others astray until they ended up saying that Allah Jalla doesn't rise above his arsh. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't speak. And thus, if he doesn't speak, we can't say that the Qur'an is his speech. Khalas. Let's say the Qur'an is created. And that is kufr. That is disbelief. So all of that as a result of what? Entertaining thoughts and ideas foreign to the Qur'an and the Sunnah. Just like in our era, the era that we live in today, the 15th century of Islam, Muslims have ended up entertaining ideologies they have ended up embracing thoughts and philosophies that are absolutely and totally foreign to the teachings of the messenger alayhi salatu wasalam foreign to the teachings of the companions alayhi ta'ala alayhim the messenger alayhi salatu wasalam he clearly told us plain and simple in easy words such that even a bedouin arab can understand that if you have a tyrannical ruler, if you have an oppressive ruler, if you have a despotic ruler, still listen to him. 
Still obey him as long as he's not telling you to do something haram. Listen to him. The Prophet already told us that we're going to have rulers and there are going to be things that we like and that we, things that we don't like. That they're going to do things that we like and things that we don't like. He already told us in the hadith of Abi, uh, Hudayfa ibn Yaman in Sahih Muslim that we're going to have rulers they're going to have hearts in the uh, uh, they're going to have hearts the hearts of devils in the bodies of men so when Hudayfa ibn Yaman he said what do I do in that situation if I meet that time when we're going to have rulers with hearts that are like devils despotic, tyrannical, evil rulers what do I do what did the Messenger say? Did he say, in that situation, take out your swords, rebel against them? Because they are beating your backs and taking your wealth. Beat, they rebel against them. Did he say, start gathering a secret organization that sooner or later develops into a big, strong force that can make khuruj, rebel against them? Did he say that? No. He said, asmi' wa atir. Hear them and obey them, even if they beat your backs and they take your, they take your wealth. Hear them and obey them. And now you find people as a result of having been influenced by 18th, 19th, European, 18th, 19th century European philosophy of how the Europeans rebelled against the church, because you had certain mufakkireen, certain Muslim thinkers that were influenced by these European philosophers, as a result of them importing this European philosophy, they've said, oh, you know what? We need to do the same things with our rulers now. Because they're being tyrannical, they're being despotic, they are uh, not being very Islamic. And therefore, we should do the same thing that the European society did against the church they rebelled against the church we need to have an uprising as well we need to have an uprising against the rulers and thus you find people like the other week it was so sad the other week i met a brother from saudi arabia uh, i said where are you from he said i'm from Riyadh, and so on and so forth i said oh, so what brings you here are you here for your masters are you here for your phd he said no i've come here for asylum said asylum yani, what do you mean asylum it's the land of the two sacred mosques why would you leave that place and he goes my brother he took his he said my brother Saudi Arabia it isn't how you how you think it to be I said what do you mean he said they are oppressive and, and, and then he started to make takfir against them I said one minute and then I gave him the narration where the messenger told us to hear them and obey them even if he said yes but if they're oppre they oppressive, then we can make khuruj against them. It's a shart that as long as they are not oppressive, as long as the Muslim ruler isn't oppressive, then we have to hear and obey them. But if they become oppressive, then he said we can rebel against them. I said, did not the Messenger والسلام, say after that statement, even if they beat your backs and they take your wealth? And now the person, he has nothing left other than to come with rhetorical yani verbal diarrhea nothing that has any any weight there's no qala Allah there's no qala Rasul there's no qala Abu Bakr there's no qala Umar there's nothing other than 
getting European philosophy and then just guising it in the garbs of Islam, making it Islamified as much as they're able. Imam Ahmad, rahimahullah ta'ala, isn't it the case that Al-Mu'tasim Billah was beating him and beating the ulama of Ahl Sunnah because what? Because they're not making a statement of kufr. Yet in spite of that, Imam Ahmad said to Mu'tasim Billah, Ya Amir al Mu'minin, O leader of the believers. So therefore, we can clearly see, Quran and Sunnah clearly see, listen to the leaders, even if they have hearts like devils in the bodies of men, listen to them, obey them, even if they beat your backs and they take your wealth. The one that is satisfied with the Sunnah, he'll have no problem with it. But the one who has other motives, and the, sun, the Sunnah isn't sufficient for him, then he's not going to be satisfied with that. So the point being, Ya Ikhwan, is that from this hadith of the Messenger والسلام, we can clearly see that whatever the Messenger والسلام, left for us that is sufficient busy yourself with that and that will preoccupy you from those other non-important or less important matters inshallah ta'ala next week we will uh, discuss part number eight which is basically a summary of the benefits of this hadith wallahu ta'ala a'lam wa sallallahu ala nabiyyana muhammad walhamdulillahi rabbil alamin